Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Azuri fan. Getting a semi was beyond our expectations, but we persevered and surprised even ourselves. Now we're just minutes away from the climax. But we've gone intimate with this Azuri side, and only 11 Spanish men stand in the way of a hot encounter with destiny, and maybe our ultimate fantasy, on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to another Scudetto Euro special, and we're in the semi-final, boys. Uh, starting to look very much like this podcast could, in fact, go the distance. So, um, yeah, very, very much enjoyed watching the quarterfinal. A lot of happy Italians and one unhappy Belgium Friday night. Italy obviously taking it 2-1, so we'll be reflecting on that shortly. And looking ahead to the big game of Spain tomorrow, and we've got a very special scouting report from our friend, the Spanish journalist, Angel. Uh, but first, let's catch up with the squad. Uh, Boaz, how are you doing? Have you uh, had a good week so far? Yeah, it's been a pretty good week uh, footballing-wise and uh, in other aspects too. My story for this week is that I have a beer-related injury from Saturday morning. We went to the beach with a bunch of friends and uh, someone asked me to pop open a bottle of beer for them. And so I used the classic uh, clipper lighter uh, trick. And as I popped it, for some re- I've never seen this happen before, but this top flew off like it was a rocket and hit me on the lip and then on my... Um, eyebrow and it, it could have been dangerous um so yeah be careful kids out there i always find with a light is if it's like there's a longer edge on the lighter if you use the longer edge you always get more like distance on the pop is that what happened i think this bottle may have been left out in the in the sun a little bit too long and so there was a lot of uh, built-up pressure and unfortunately my my face was the cu- what suffered <laughs> yeah well, uh, speaking of beer, what have you got for us this evening? I've got a Kipling South Pacific Pale Ale from Thornbridge again. Um, they make exceedingly good beers, apparently. Good stuff. Um, th- that's not one of you haven't cracked into the case yet, have you? I'm like I'm slowly working through beer. I've I've now got maybe eighteen beers. Uh, we should be covered at, at least until the final, if not if we do a few specials, <laughs> I'll still be fine. <laughs> we can do a week long party, daily podcasting if Italy win. Although, yeah, maybe I might find that a bit difficult depending on who they play in the final. Anyway, Kenny, how has your week been? Yeah, my week's been my week's been good. Uh, unfortunately, here in Edinburgh, we haven't been basking in the sort of weather that that you guys have been have been enjoying. We had sort of monsoon rains yesterday and uh, flooding all through the streets, but managed to escape the worst of it where I am. Other than that, just enjoying the football as as. Both of you have, I know. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely been enjoying it. Uh, and uh, did you get a chance to have a beer with the um, with the game on Friday night? Uh, did I on Friday? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did. Um, I didn't actually jot down what I 
Right, right. Unfortunately, I don't take notes uh, on on my oh. beer drinking on a on a daily oh, basis. A Christmas Just present for you. I would get you like a beer notes notepad. <laughs> um, anyway, what have you got for us tonight? Anyway, tonight I've got a Cloudwater Soft and Juicy Session IPA, which I've had before, and it's very good. How about you, Oscar? How are you doing? And what are you drinking? Yeah, well, I've fallen back on the sauna beer, the tanker, which I've uh, had many times. But the reason for this is because I had I played seven aside football this evening, and then I had like an hour to get from that to eleven aside training, and then record the podcast. Absolute so, maniac! Luckily, I had the presence of mind to stop in the corner shop and pick up some beers because if I'd waited till after the training, it would have been illegal to buy beer in Finland. So you showed up at football training with a bunch of beers. Yeah, but they were in my bag. No, no one knew about it. <laughs> but yes. Anyway. And you've had a good week? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had a good week. As, as I said, I, I really enjoyed watching the uh, Belgium-Italy game with a load of happy Italians and one uh, frustrated Belgian. And um, You're allowed to yeah. crawl a little bit about England as well if you want. This is your chance. This Am is I? your one chance. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was uh, had a enjoyable saturday evening watching the boy harry kane get back to some form um but as we were saying before not overly confident that it will be england in the final i think denmark a difficult prospect definitely um yeah but you've just beaten the mighty ukraine i mean you, you you're <laughs> world beater is coming home <laughs> look i'll save it for the scouting report if and when that is required but um yeah i, I think Denmark have had a very good tournament. They're a very dangerous opponent. And if England underestimate them, they could very well come unstuck. Um, but that's enough about that. Let's uh, let's talk about Italian football. Because I think this, as I've just said, I very much enjoyed watching this game. Probably the most enjoyable game of the tournament for me so far. Um, did you? What did you think of it, Kenny? Probably the best game you've seen? For me, hands down, I think the only game that came close to it in terms of just like sheer intensity and quality really was uh, France against Germany. That's the only one that I can think of where it was uh, it kind of reached that level. And I mean, we we just have to say how how brilliant Italy were uh, because I think I had them as slight second favorites going going into this i wouldn't say underdogs because i've been raving about italy since uh, before the tournament started obviously uh, but but definitely there were fears that this would be the the end of the road but yeah just italy just seemed to choke the life out of uh, belgium really uh, and it was really interesting to see those different styles of play because i think you would typically associate the sort of uh, game that Belgium played with uh, more of an Italian sort of uh, traditional or the stereotypically Italian approach, uh, whereas Italy were playing, I mean, they looked as good as that that great Spain side or the great Germany side of the sort of past 10, 10 years or so. Uh, it was really, really entertaining. And Belgium could have, um, let's not forget, Belgium could have uh, equalized in this one as well. So it wasn't like it was a walkover by any means, as you would expect against uh, that sort of level of, of opposition. Just a really, really great game and incredible performance by by Italy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Buzz, what did you make of that? But there was a lot being made before the game of this kind of stat that Lukaku's never scored against Panucci and Chiellini from open play. And of course, 
he didn't again, but he definitely had chances, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lukaku again was slightly frustrated apart from the penalty. And uh, a kind of counter stat to the stat you just mentioned is that I think this was the fifth match in a row where he scores against Donnarumma. Uh, oh, hang on. Who? You just, you just named uh, an Italian goalkeeper. <laughs> who? Sorry. I thought Italy had been playing without a goalkeeper for this tournament. But... So, this, so, this is quite a big moment. So given that the performance from young Gijo, and uh, given that the more I talk right now, the more zeros are added to his bank account, I, I think it's, it's, worth, <laughs> it's worthwhile um, speaking about the fact that uh, he's, uh, he's really grown in this tournament and his two or three saves against, in the match against Belgium were ultimately crucial. Obviously, he had a great performance along with the whole team, I should say. There was very few players that you could say had a, a dud match. P- perhaps the, the one that uh, sticks to mind immediately is Churi Mobile. But uh, beyond him, we may, we may talk about a little bit more in depth in a minute. Beyond him, I, feel, I thought uh, most of the team performed to their uh, maximum potential. And even the guys that came in off the bench uh, got their job done. I particularly like Berardi playing what was essentially a 15-minute cameo and managing to get booked and doing everything to, uh, to frustrate Belgium. But uh, yeah. for me, the, the, the highlight of the game was, uh, without doubt, the Insigne goal, which was, uh, if, you, if you told me Insigne is going to score a goal in the quarterfinal and you wouldn't have told me what goal it was, I would, I would have imagined the goal to be exactly that goal. <laughs> he only yeah. scores one goal, but it is a great, great goal. So... It yeah, is. I'm glad you've uh, you've come to the acceptance stage of grief, uh, Boaz. <laughs> you wanna... I've just figured out I have two games left with him, more or less, this season, and then I, I don't have to see him for a few months. And uh, as you know, absence makes the gr- the heart grow fonder or whatever. So I'm, I'm sure uh, <laughs> G- as soon as uh, the season starts, I'll move on from this uh, petty gripe of mine. Yeah, I just wanted to come back actually on what Boaz said there on a, on a serious point actually, and I'd love to claim this as my own. Uh, I'd also love to give credit to the person that I saw who, who mentioned this on uh, on Twitter, but unfortunately, I wasn't paying that much uh, that much attention. But um, it was said that, which I think is completely true, that the great thing about what we've seen so far in this Italy team is that you cannot pick one player and say that is the star that is going to be the man of the match because we've seen so many of these players have the potential to, to step up and be that player equally Boaz just mentioned Berardi he didn't have the greatest game last time round was great off the bench here Chiesa perhaps didn't have the greatest game against Belgium but was great in the in the second round game against uh, Austria so really, it seems to be that you cannot pick out a danger man from this Italy team because just about everyone in this in this squad, even not even in the, the sort of first eleven, has the potential to be really really special on their day. And in this case, it was Insigne. And oh my word, what a goal that was! Yeah, um, for sure. And Boas mentioned uh, just there how, how well Berardi did in in frustrating the Belgians at the end. I'm I'm going to admit that. The crowd I was watching it with were getting pretty, pretty upset, or at least apologetic if they were supporting the Italians about the time-wasting antics at the end. Um, I know it's probably been overdone in in certain sections of the media, but it did seem a bit shameless at some points, didn't it, Kenny? 
I'm not sure. I I'm not sure. I buy the. I, I buy that. Um, to be honest, the in terms of time wasting. I mean, some of the things that the crowd in the in the ground at least were kind of calling out as time wasting. I mean, one of them was Spinazzola, who we'll get onto in a minute, who is out of football for a very very lengthy period of time. Uh, another one that the commentators over here in the UK seemed to think was perfectly fair was when I think it was Witzel who just double forearm smashed Bilotti in the face and they were like, I don't really see anything wrong with that. And then two minutes later, cue uh, footage of Bilotti walking around with a massive shiner to the to the <laughs> right eye, I believe it was. In terms of time wasting, I mean, come on. Like how how many Champions League games have, have we watched where this goes on at the at the top level? You do what what you have to to win. I even, as a St. Mirren fan, I even remember St. Mirren beating Celtic, and this was a very rare occasion, 4-0 about 10 years ago or something. And at the end of that game, St. Mirren just spent the, the whole time just like, yeah, just wasting time, basically. And of course, the crowd were lapping it up. This goes on all over football this was a very very close match belgium were very very dangerous opponents and italy did what they had to do to to cross mm. the line really um i mean there are there are other comic moments in the game such as uh, immobile's uh, incredible um recovery let's say what, which was, what was, it? Oh, was his brother called it an ostrich impression he did after he yeah, after he got up and ran over to celebrate with the rest of the team like an ostrich as uh, one of us his brother said in a, a whatsapp group we're in um which is very very funny because i mean that is exactly what he looked like but i mean there there is like a serious point to be made here as well i think that quite often there are things that defensively players can get away with which are I mean, if we're going to say, why why are we letting people get away with cheating? Well, professional fouls, holding people back when they're breaking through, you know, on a counter attack, and they get applauded for taking one for the team. Um, but when it's an attacker who either accentuates contact because otherwise he's not going to get a, a free kick. I mean, maybe Mobilo is a bit of an extreme example, but uh, but in general, you know, when players go down easily, they're criticised for it. Well, if they stay up. Nine times out of ten, they don't get the the free kick, and why should the defender benefit from that? Is would be my take. Um, so I'm not sure. I I'm not sure I buy all of this thing about uh, Italy time wasting, and I certainly am not having it from any of the other top f- top five nations that they don't do it as well because um, yeah. it's, it's we see it all yeah. the time in the Champions League from all nations, and I include those that are vocally more against this than others. Yeah, maybe it's just kind of a tribute to the fact that Italy are one of the best coach teams and they're kind of the most effective at doing it in a coordinated and organised fashion towards the final whistle. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my opinion, they ought to just uh, they ought to just change the rules and stop the clock when the ball's out of play. I mean, I know it's a big one to throw, but maybe not a good discussion point for this. this that's actually one of my bugbears for several years. I, I think that uh, I really think that football should introduce uh, a running clock like in basketball but then you'll see that all teams waste time equally and that uh, essentially we're we're only really watching about 50 minutes of football all uh, all through the whole match and uh, we choose mm-hmm. to remember the last uh, 15 minutes of the Italy game but this kind of thing happens in the 90 minutes as soon as the team goes up whether that team is Italy Belgium or England um, the only team that seemed to forget to how to do this was Denmark who um 
were in a rush to continue playing despite leading 2-1 against the Czech Republic. But that's maybe for our sister Danish pod. But um, <laughs> if, I, if I've got to be honest, I think it, it's super professional to do that. Italy are kings at killing the game. There was five minutes of added time. And let's be honest, two minutes of that was played. And uh, why wouldn't you do that if you're in the lead? I mean, you, you'd, it's horribly naive to say, oh, I wouldn't do that in the same situation. The, there's a semi-final of a Euro on the line. Um, yeah. I, I applaud it. But more to the point, as Kenny mentioned, there there were many, many occasions where um, a foul was actually a foul, where uh, including actually, let's let's get on to it, that Immobile occasion. All the funny replays on uh, Twitter and match of the day in the UK are showing just the the end of their move. But if you see the Italian TV showed the close-up of Immobile's foot and he gets a real big kick on that on that foot. So I mean of course he makes a big he makes a meal of it. He rolls around, but what's he supposed to be? Keep rolling around when his his team just scored a goal? what's the point? Like like it's clear he's rolling he's rolling around to accentuate the fact that he's been kicked. But the action is over. He's moved on. And I think in fairness VAR would have awarded that penalty had Barella not gone on to score what was an absolutely fantastic goal. Which brings me to another point, which is why are we focusing on this rather than fo- on not not us in this podcast, but why is the I don't know, the global footballing community focusing on that rather than two absolutely glorious goals and an incredible performance by a team playing football the way everyone always claims football should be played. And it happens to be a team that is always criticized for, so say, playing negative football. And even when they play this level of football and score goals like this, people just want to focus on stuff like that. And it gets to a point where you just have to say that perhaps other countries that don't have four World Cups have a bit of of a chip in their shoulder. (laughs) Yeah, um, I was was about to say I can agree with you for now, but if it happens at the weekend, (laughs) there's a country I care about involved. I'm going to go full English pundit on the the follow-up episode. but yeah, I can definitely accept what you're saying for now. And I, as I said, I was watching the Finnish coverage, so um, I didn't see what I'm sure was uh, some ridiculous exaggeration on the BBC. Other news services are available. Something <laughs> that um, we, we should really highlight because it kind of goes uh, missing in this, all this talk about time wasting is what an incredible defensive performance the the, back, the whole back line put up. Maybe um, Nilo Enzo was a little bit naive in giving away the penalty, although... I don't think that was a penalty, to be honest. Uh, I thought that was uh, quite soft. But in any case, uh, Spinazzola, as well as The Rocks, Chiellini and Bonucci were all immense. And um, as was demonstrated by Spinazzola clearing a ball off the line miraculously, I'm not sure what happened there. Oh, and, that was glorious. And all of them high-fiving like, like they just scored a World Cup final goal. But in any case, uh, maybe we want to talk about that penalty a little bit, uh, Kenny. I mean, I think it was... A penalty. Much as I didn't want it to be a penalty, I think that there there's one particular angle that shows that very clearly um, Di Lorenzo shoves shoves him with it with his forearm in the back. And I get that it wasn't the strongest shove in the world, but I mean the guy is coming up to the byline. He's changing direction. He's slightly off balance. He's moving at speed. I think that's all it takes to send someone flying. And to be honest. I mean, it was a push. He pushed him. I, I think anywhere else in the pitch, it's a it's a free kick. And for me, it, it was as much as I didn't want it to be a penalty. It was a penalty. So I think uh, the, the defender is foolish to give the referee 
the an option in that in this case. And of course, I do think he does shove him, but I think the subsequent fall is not a result of him being shoved, but rather him seeing the ball going out of bounds and kind of tripping himself over. So again, I, I mean, it's it's a I wouldn't necessarily give it, but uh, since you say you said if it had happened anywhere else on the pitch, uh, he would have given it. It's quite funny because uh, towards the end of the game, I can't remember who exactly, but De Bruyne kind of. Uh, pushed slash elbowed someone off the pitch and a foul was given and it was a little bit more violent than the penalty foul but he was complaining that the Italian player had dived and so you know <laughs> it, it, yeah. I guess you always see things through your own uh, team's lenses yeah. I was going to say if that's a foul then uh, I'd be giving away penalties every time I played the game but, um... <laughs> I, I arguably think that De Bruyne gave away a penalty as well in that game but I mean, oh yeah, that was a. I, I didn't that, see a replay of it, but it, he it just tripped him. Well. And yeah, this is a media agenda. Name. That's why you didn't see the replay because it it doesn't fit the <laughs> it doesn't fit the narrative that Italy dive and da da da. I, I saw a replay, in fairness, and it did look like a penalty in replay as well. He just stuck the knee in him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> not really. It's much thing we have VAR. I was surprised that there was no VAR review. I mean, I'm sure it was reviewed, but there was no little icon saying that it was being VAR reviewed. I guess it had the the get out of not being clear and obvious. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, we should just take a second to offer our uh, condolences to Spinazzola, who it looks like will play no further part in this tournament. Horrible injury on his Achilles. Kenny, you mentioned that uh, it it was it was one of the fouls that was actually booed for time wasting at the top in the stadium. But he's had a great tournament, Spinazzola, hasn't he? It's really sad to see him missing out. It's really, really sad to see him missing out. For me, he's been the the player of the tournament so far, and I don't think I'm seeing that with uh, Italian glasses on. I think that that has been widely recognised throughout. Certainly here in the UK, it's one of the one of the areas that Italy have been given credit. He's been absolutely tremendous, and it's really, really sad that his. Um, his tournament has has ended that way, but I think today he was uh, he seemed in slightly better spirits. I mean, I think as as much as anything, the the tears that we saw at the end of that were more emotion at the realization uh, that his tournament was over than the pain. Although I'm sure the pain was pretty pretty severe as well. But yeah, um, it's just just yeah, really 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 sad. But good to see that today he's been uh, photographed post-successful uh, operation. So just, yeah, hope, hope he gets well soon and is back flying down that uh, left flank for, for Roma next season under his new boss, Mourinho. Yeah, I should just highlight that that surgery actually took place in Finland, uh, not too far from where I am in Helsinki. It's actually in the city of Turku. And uh, the surgery was performed by Sakari Arava, who is a sports surgeon at Turku's hospital. and. Um, yeah, one of the leading surgeons in this kind of thing. He's also done Cristantes uh, quite recently. So, yeah, all the best to him. And we'd just like to highlight that I've been giving Spinazzola's honorables all season for his performances uh, in a Roma shirt. Uh, Buzz, did you have something to add? Uh, so apparently Spinazzola is going to be uh, in the stadium for the for the match against uh, Spain. It's, it, it's kind of testament to the team spirit that uh, Mancini has built here. Um, there was some lovely footage on social media where the Italian players, first of all, they, there was footage of Spinazzola coming into the, their, I guess it's their breakfast area. But um, 
essentially he he hugged and kind of said his goodbyes to every single player of the squad and it, it was just really emotional and then there was uh also footage of uh players on the on the plane to the next match and uh Bernardeschi leading the way on the plane microphone I guess that's why they brought him to this tournament but uh he's the one who's kind of uh giving it to the being the cheerleader with the whole team going crazy it's it's lovely scenes and it's uh maybe this will give um Italy that extra bit of motivation but undoubtedly it's a big loss for any team absolutely um and speaking of motivation we should discuss the next challenge that they face obviously Italy playing Spain in the semi-final what is uh as we record tomorrow night it's a big game and we have got a very special scouting report for you from our friend Angel he is Uh, a Spanish journalist, a lifelong Madrid fan, as you may be able to deduce, deduce from some of his comments. I have to admit that I'm a Real Madrid fan. Um, for a Real Madrid fan, we are not too crazy about this um, Spanish national team because it's the first time, I think, in 75 years that the coach uh, didn't take any Real Madrid player. At the beginning, I thought, okay, Real Madrid... A player who can be selected for the national team didn't have a good year. But for example, Nacho, who is a defender, he's really good. He ended up the season really well, and Luis Enrique didn't didn't select him. Like I say, a lot of a lot of a lot of fans of Real Madrid are not happy with the national team first because Luis Enrique is not a coach that is very engaging. People don't love him much. Also, we are not crazy about the, the national team because uh, we are a little bit spoiled for the last, you know, five or six, seven years when we won the, the World Cup and the Euro Cup twice. Um, right now, the new generation, um, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong and they, they, they will win the European Cup, but I doubt it. Like uh, in Spain... People are not too excited about the national team, although since they made it to the semifinal, uh, well, right now, I, everybody thinks, well, it's a great opportunity because they can win the tournament. But being realistic, Italy will be the first team, well, it will be the, the first decent team that we uh, play with in this tournament because let's uh, review what Spain did. We beat 5-0 to Slovakia, that is probably one of the worst team in the Euro Cup. We tied with Sweden and with Poland. We, <clears throat> we uh, beat um, Croatia, and I think Croatia was not great. And even we needed, uh, we needed uh, extra time to beat Croatia, and we were winning 3-1, and they tied, like seven minutes to the, having seven minutes to the end of the game. And like I said, it's not the, the best Croatia. It's, it's probably one of the worst Croatia of the last five years. And then with Switzerland, we also needed to go to the penalties, playing with one, play, one more player for almost 50 minutes, and we didn't win. We beat Switzerland in the penalties. So bottom line is that people are excited because Spain is in the semifinal But uh, we are not too crazy about it. Is Luis Miguel meeting or stealing expectation? Well, yes, because we didn't expect to go so far. 
and it's, it's surprisingly for everyone to know that we can go to the final if we win Italy. But again, I don't think we will beat Italy. The forecast for the Italy game, I think Spain will will lose. Italy have been more regular and also uh, stronger. Italy, I definitely will will win the and will qualify. I hope I'm wrong because I want Spain to qualify, but um, in in Spain people don't have too much hope. And also, if you compare Spain to the other two teams playing the other semi-final, England and Denmark, I think both teams, England and Denmark, they are better than Spain. And the other question is, any players that Spain have that could be future stars? I only would say Pedri, who plays for Barcelona. I think is the only one who I would say that um, could be a good star. But right now in Spain, what is happening is that we use the 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 title of star to any young player and later on it is very disappointing we had that with Asensio who played for the Real Madrid who who everybody thought he was going to be a big star um he didn't even make it to the national team and Morata Morata is really funny I can if you look for memes of Morata on internet you will find a lot of them I don't know I'm a, I mentioned it to you I'm a Real Madrid fan and we Morata came back twice to to Madrid after having a, a experience with other team. He never made it. I he fights a lot in the team. He he show a lot of effort. He's a great team player. But if you are a, a striker, you need to score goals, and he doesn't score goals. And nobody understands in Spain why. He's the Spanish striker and he plays all the games when he only, I think he scored a good goal against Croatia, but he missed so many. So I'm not a fan of Morata and there are people in Spain who don't like Morata. Um, and bottom line is he, he started as a Real Madrid, young Real Madrid player and Real Madrid sold it to Chelsea. He went to Atletico and Atletico didn't want him either. And then when Atletico or Real Madrid don't want a player, it's probably because he's not very good. Thanks again to Angel, not mincing his words at all there in his assessment of Spain's chances. Um, should be said, Italy versus Spain will be the most played match in European Championship and World Cup history after this game. So an historic occasion. Uh, Buzz, what do you make of it? What did you think of uh, Angel's assessment? I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss uh, Spain simply because they are Spain after all. Obviously, in this tournament, they took a little bit of time to get going. They had that match against Sweden where they had like 84% possession or something like that, but couldn't get a goal. But it looked like towards the latter stages of the group, uh, they were starting to find their way. Um, undoubtedly, they're going to be a little bit tired from... Uh, going to extra time two times in a row. And the fact that they struggled against a Switzerland side that Italy were quite quick to dismiss bodes well for the Azzurri. I think this is going to be a midfield battle overall. And uh, in this tournament especially, I wouldn't bet against uh, Jorginho, Verratti and Barella, who from, in my mind have been formidable. Yeah, and I, I think it's fair to say as well that Italy have also struggled in this tournament. You know, the game against 
Austria maybe not showing them at their best um, and you can only beat who's in front of you. So, I mean, hopefully it'll, it'll still be an interesting game. What's your take on it, Kenny? I think Spain have actually looked quite good despite the fact that they struggled for, for goals at the, the start of the tournament. Undoubtedly, still a very, very talented side. Yes, to to Angel's uh, fury, there might not be any Real Madrid players in in that squad, but undoubtedly uh, a very talented uh, group of footballers. I think, as as Boaz suggested, it kind of depends on what what Spain shows up, and I think, as you suggested, Oscar, it kind of depends on what Italy sh- uh, shows up as well. I would not be in the slightest bit complacent. Again, I, I hark back to what Joris said in the preview for the Belgium game. I think everything's 50-50 for here on in, on this side of the the draw anyway. It's going to be very, very nervy. And if Italy start the way they did against Belgium and can sustain that, then uh, I think Italy have every every chance of, of going through but it's definitely definitely not going to be a walk in the park. One thing that I would say goes in Italy's favour probably is the fact that for that Wales game, the last game of the groups, they did manage to rotate eight players. And as Boaz highlighted, Spain have gone to extra time twice. So, you know, I think that Italy should have a little bit more in their legs and certainly the way that, that the high press and everything that they've been playing under Mancini, recovering the ball quickly, um, that's something that they're absolutely going to need. Um, I'm, I, I think it's too close to call, but I'm optimistic, I think, going into it. Yeah. Kenny, let me just tell you that it is nervy on both sides of the bracket. But yeah, the, the, there's been a lot of talk about Morata, um, both on previous episodes of this podcast and uh, in Anel's remarks there. Um, but what do we think about uh, the the point of the Italian attack. Do, do we expect uh, Bellotti to start against Spain, or or is he Mancini going to stick with Immobile? In my mind, the Mancini should and will stick with Immobile. I think uh, overall he's a better player. It's hard to say that because he's not really had a chance to shine in this tournament, and uh, in in the, besides the two goals, he's contributed very little. But I think that uh, Bellotti, at least in his Italy. Um, uh, form is more of an impact sub and he also seems a little bit heavy i don't know if that's uh, because he's he hasn't been getting much uh, play time or whatever you have to bet on immobile to come good at some point because after all he's a guy who bags 20 plus goals a season his uh, understanding with verati and uh, insigne especially who he played with at pescara many years ago you can't buy that yeah and i think one thing that actually probably Boaz's words there kind of echo a little bit what what Mancini said, but I just wanted to highlight something that he said in his press conference today on the on the eve of the game, which was that the the players that are usually written off and that are usually criticised, who have the sort of pedigree that Immobile has, let's not forget that he was uh, Europe's Golden Boot winner a year ago, um, tend to be the ones that prove people wrong and tend to tend to be the ones that come good in the end. So here's hoping that that is that that is the case. Undoubtedly, if Italy can get the best out of Immobile, then that they will be unstoppable. And perhaps in this COVID era, it is kind of a little bit wrong to think about a, a football team as a just in terms of a starting eleven. Uh, Italy have shown it throughout the tournament that with five subs and a possible six, if you go to extra time you can really make an impact on the game. And 
bring on some fresh legs uh, that will completely switch the game around. So I think uh, Immobile, whether he has a good game or a bad game, he does a good job at kind of uh, tiring out defenders and making a lot of runs, even though, as I said in a past episode, his close control has been very disappointing. But uh, as part of a mechanism, as part of a, a bigger unit, he gets the job done. A bigger question mark will be who will replace Pinazzola on the left for me. Emerson Palmieri, surely, I would think. That scares me. Yeah. Well, we'll have to <laughs> wait and see. He, ha- he hasn't played many games at Chelsea this year, more, more than anything else. But also, I mean, it's, it's definitely a downgrade. But uh, touching on what I just said, probably, again, Italy work as a, as a whole. It's not, there's no real individual in this squad. Yeah. Anyway, let's hope those remarks from Mancini apply more to uh, Immobile than they do to Murata. Um, who's obviously looking for his own redemption story, scored a good goal, but um, still has probably missed more than he's taken this tournament. I'd like to give you some quick stats about this game, just because you, you just mentioned uh, Morata, and it's uh, really worth mentioning that um, both Gerard Moreno and Morata have a XG of above 3.5 for this tournament. As far as I'm aware, Moreno has, only, has not scored any goals, and Morata's got two, so obviously they're being very wasteful. Also, um, Spain is kind of a bogey team for Italy. Uh, Italy have only won two of their last 14 games, so it's one of those uh, situations. However, Italy have won five games in a row so far, and if they should win against Spain, that's their record in a major tournament. They've never won more than six games. Um, so there's that another record for Mancini's boys to break. And one final point is that this will be um, Spain's third semi out of uh, the last four tournaments. So... They're perennial uh, challengers in this tournament. Mm, that's interesting. So presumably the tournaments that Italy have won before, they've always lost a game in the groups or, or drawn a game in the groups. Yeah, the only exception is Italy 90, where they reached the semi-final, winning five games and unfortunately lost. Good stuff. Okay, yeah, as I said, we're all, all really looking forward to that game. Um, and regardless, win or lose, we will be back to talk about it afterwards. Um, but let's just move away from the Euros briefly to round up what else is going on in Italian football, what has been going on in Italian football this week. Firstly, a signing for Atalanta, Kenny uh, Musso, which you've put down here as seriously, seriously good. Um, anything to add to that? No, just the, it, it's definitely a, an upgrade. I think Musso is a, a keeper that just about every top team in, in Serie A had, had their eyes on. And I mean, it's it's... Yeah, a, a big upgrade for for Atalanta in the in the goalkeeping department. So um, if if they continue with signings of of that standard, then who knows they could they could push on perhaps. Yeah, um, looking forward to seeing him next season. Other Serie A news: uh, we should announce that the calendar for the first time is asymmetric. Um, all other leagues already have an asymmetric calendar, so it just means that if you play somebody on the first game of the season, you don't necessarily play them on the last game of the season. Also, uh, Jose Mourinho has been presented to the fans at Roma. There was apparently a big turnout for this. So I find it difficult to believe. He's like an emperor. He's, he's waving to the crowd <laughs> and they're going mental. Yeah. And speaking of which, Hakimi looked uh, very happy on the plane as, uh, as he left on his way to PSG to join uh, your boy Gigi Buzz. What else do we have in transfer news? Looks like Milan have reached an agreement with Brescia over Tonali uh, to make him into a permanent transfer. It sounds like the players actually agreed to a pay cut. Not sure if that's uh, warranted based on this season's performance, but we could maybe discuss that another time. 
Di Lorenzo has extended his contract with Napoli, and Palmer's Diversa has been announced, or former Palmer Play Diversa has been announced at Sampdoria. Paolo Lopez uh, of Roma has joined Marseille, or it looks to be joining Marseille. He's had a medical. <laughs> Tana Dermaspor, um, who have recently been <laughs> promoted to the Super League in Turkey, might be signing Mario Balotelli. From Monza, I assume that he's still contracted there. Apparently, he's there. Monza have decided not to renew his contract. And you have to think, in a Paolo universe, um, Immobile is being challenged for his spot by Balotelli in this uh, semi-final, and Balotelli gets the nod. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would have been plausible four or five years ago, wouldn't it? And finally, Roma have announced that Cengiz Unda has moved to Olympic Marseille. So potentially quite a big miss for them. Uh, anyway, that's that's all in our Serie A roundup. Uh, it's time for some honourable and dishonourable mentions. Um, so yeah, starting off with an honourable mention for the mention for the Azzurri Twitter admin um, who responded to a tweet from the Belgian Federation's account, uh, which had Veni Vidi with a picture of Lukaku and De Bruyne as gladiators fighting off some uh, some of the Italian players. And the Azzurri account responded with Vici, as in uh, we won after the game. Excellent stuff. Finish uh, him! Kenny, you... <laughs> <laughs> speaking of finishing them, uh, you wanted to give one to uh, Denmark's Mela for his goal. Denmark and Atalanta's uh, Mela for his assist. Uh, yeah, in that last game for, for Denmark. Uh, yeah, just uh, the, the Atalanta have been taking this tournament by storm. I've I've been do, doing my utmost not to not to highlight it, but this uh, this assist with the outside of his foot uh, just on a plate uh, for for Denmark's winner um, absolutely deserves a, an honourable mention. And uh, he's been one of the the if uh, if I was saying that Spinazzola has been the star of of the tournament. For me, Mele has been one of the breakout stars of this tournament. Uh, all of a sudden, everyone around Europe is kind of taking note of, of his quality. And he only joined Atalanta six months ago, but he's been, he's, yeah, been an absolute revelation. It's worth noting that uh, of the eight teams in the quarterfinals, five had Atalanta players in their squad. Yeah, should we highlight the sending off that an Atalanta player had just to balance things out? You... Surprised us all by naming the Italian goalkeeper earlier in the podcast. Now you're going to give him an honourable mention. I'm really breaking my embargo here um, by giving an honourable mention to Gijon Donnarumma. Not for his uh, great performance against Belgium, which uh, we spoke about earlier, but rather because A, he got me one of my uh, most successful tweets in the last six months or so. When I tweeted a picture of him and Verratti and said, uh, bring your kid to work day. But uh more to the point, uh, Verratti was being interviewed by an uh, Italian TV journalist, I believe, and uh, Donnarumma was acting as the interpreter for him. And eventually Donnarumma looked at him and he's like, but he's talking Italian. Like, Why don't you understand him? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious scenes. Indeed. I, I just wanted to give a, an honorable to Joris, who Kenny mentioned earlier, obviously our uh, Belgian scout last week, um, just for highlighting Doku who, as a potential young prospect, I don't think any of us were expecting him to start the game, but he did. He was perhaps Belgium's greatest attacking threat and, uh, of course, won the penalty for, for Belgium's goal. So well done to, to Joris for his uh, excellent insight. Buzz, on the topic of journalists, I think this is a dishonourable 
I mean, whew. so uh, in it, this is a dishonorable <laughs> to uh, Italian journalist uh, Donatella Scarlatti, who unfortunately had the slip of mind, I guess we can call it. And um, while she was interviewing uh, Barella, who is born in 1997, she asked him um, what his memories were of Italy 90. And, <laughs> and apart from the fact that this was an interview question that had been prearranged a few weeks in advance. So, I mean, she had a little bit of time to do her homework. But more to the point, Barella's answer was quite funny because he, he didn't say I wasn't born yet. But he said I was minus seven then, which is very specific. <laughs> Um, the reason it's not a complete dishonorable is because uh, Donatella Scarnati went out on Twitter the next day and put out a really heartfelt apology and said that she had had a slip of mind, but obviously she doesn't think that Borella is now 37. So, uh, I mean, it's nice to see her take uh, responsibility, but the, it, it still caused a lot of lulls. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and Kenny, you've got a dishonorable as well. Yeah, I've got a dishonorable for, for Fiorentina. It might seem a bit harsh, this, because quite a few uh, Italian clubs have been guilty of it, but none more so than Fiorentina, really, t to, to my mind. Uh, obviously, the 1st of July represents uh, a lot of players coming to the end of their, their contracts and being released by clubs. Uh, but basically, Fiorentina's Twitter feed since that day has been nothing other than a couple of happy birthdays and then just like this fire sale, this cold-hearted fire sale Photograph of player, thank you, bye. Photograph of player, thank you, bye. So, yeah, just, uh, I don't know. Might have been nice to have a little bit more context around it. And, uh, yeah. Football is a cold seem... business. <laughs> Maybe for it to seem a little bit less that, like something that had just been set up three months ago when they decided not to renew these players' contracts as, like, scheduled tweets, basically. <laughs> yeah, as I was saying, it's like uh, Apu from The Simpsons with a thank you, come again. Um, but Boaz, maybe you want to uh, just give us one more dishonorable for good luck. Um, is this a dishonorable? Is it an honorable? I I was quite amused to see um, the Copa America matches being uh, promoted with the faces of the, the leading players from each team in the tournament. So you have obviously Messi and Neymar because they are superstars. And then you have our boy Muriel uh, representing Colombia, of course. But then... La Padula is in that image representing Peru and <laughs> clearly a slight drop in class in style. Uh, kudos to him because he only declared for uh, Peru a about a year ago. But uh, here he is uh, as part of the graphics department of the Copa America. Yeah, and with his tattoo. Was his tattoo in there? <laughs> he didn't have his Native American tattoo to represent his Peruvian roots. <laughs> his blood, his culture, his history, or not. Yeah, that will never not be funny. Um, so thanks for bringing that to our attention. Um, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, we'll be back to speak to you, uh, hopefully, about for a preview of the European Championships final. Um, but if not, we'll be back to speak to you anyway. Um, that's tragic. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's all for now. Um, if you don't already, please just subscribe to our podcast on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you later in the week. Until then, enjoy the Euros. Scudetto 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.